listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning, New Chapel. Welcome to part four of Into the Future. Are you excited to be here today? Oh, me too. Hey, find something that you can take notes with. Why do we take notes at New Chapel? Because we're not just coming here to do holy aerobics during worship. We believe that God wants to say something to us. Yeah, so pull something out to take notes with. And if you have your Bibles, you can open them with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. Uh, thank you so much for indulging your pastor. Uh, we had themes that we wanted to preach about, about future and, and dealing with our past. And it fit into so much of the fun of the movie Back to the Future from the 80s. And if you didn't grow up with those movies, I'm really sorry about your childhood. But beyond that... Uh, we've had a riot the last several weeks talking about the goodness of God, yes, dealing with our past and ultimately living in a present way, being alert and awake, and then uh, really discussing how God has more for us in the future. This is part four of this series, and it is called God Has More. I loved the movies, Back to the Future, were so great, and, and some of the reason why they were great is because there was all kinds of twists and turns. I've been talking with a lot of you during the week, and you've been sharing with your spouse these movies because they had never seen it. And it's like, okay, you have absolution, but you better watch that movie immediately, if not sooner, you know? And people love it because of the plot twists, ups and downs and overs and who did it and what's going on. And one of the reasons why that resonates is because life is a lot like that. Life, a great story, even a great godly story has a lot of twists to it all. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. As you go through life, some of those twists and ups and downs, it can throw you off a little bit if you don't understand what God is doing behind it all. You might face setbacks or might have an issue that pops up you never saw coming. And when those things happen in our life, we have to realize that God is at work. Let me read it for you out of Proverbs. We'll get to the book of Genesis in just a second. But Proverbs 29, 18 out of the message. And the message, by the way, is not a translation of the Bible. It's an interpretation of the Bible. But sometimes it brings out really good content. It says, if the people can't see what God is doing, what do they do? They stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So the idea here is that God is trying to reveal something to us. He wants to reveal something in our future. And I believe that it's, it's the great dream that he wants to bring to pass. Now, most evangelical leaders in America today and even abroad in all countries of the world, they're on the same page. Even some of our Orthodox brothers are, and here's what they're saying. Jesus is coming back soon, <laughs> like buckle up, get right or get left type stuff. Like every evangelical preacher is telling you, like you are in, like you're there, you're in the last days. And this is what it says in the book of Acts, very, very telling. It says that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, what does that even look like? Here's what it looks like. Prophecy, visions, and dreams. In the last days, right, like we're there, God's going to pour out his spirit on his people. Some denominations aren't ready for that, but the Bible says that Jesus, when he returns, he's going to come down from heaven with a shout. So I'm telling you, even my Baptist heritage, they're going to be shouting at church, everybody. And so... But what's the sign when his spirit shows up? Prophecy, visions, and dreams. I want you to say the word dream. One, two, three. Dream. That's what God has for you. 
And, and I believe that we need to learn what it is. Like, God, I want to hear what you're doing so I don't stumble all over myself. So I want to hear that dream so I know I'm not just doing my own thing. God, I want what you have for my life. And, and that needs to be something that is attention to manage, that we lean into, but it's also something you can do. God wants you to know what he wants you to do. That's very simple and very profound at the same time. So I've been talking with a lot of people, many of you in the church, uh, and also with some of the young people, some of them becoming interns and others, and they've asked me questions like, okay, great. I want to hear God's voice, and I want to know that I have a God dream, and I want to know I'm on the right page with everything that he's called me to do. How do I know, Pastor Joe, that I'm hearing from God, and it's not just the fact I stayed up too late or ate Taco Bell after 11? And so I just want to take three minutes out of my sermon and help you guys with that, and I title this little area of the message, Is It God? or a burrito. Um, so here's how you, here's the litmus test. The first thing is, does it line up with the Bible? The B-I-B-L-E. If you're hearing voices and they're telling you to do things other than what's in the Bible, I, I would say run, but there's no place to run if you're hearing them. And, and so stop listening. You, you want to get a dream from God and you want it to line up with everything that's in his word. Second thing, will it make me more like Jesus? Am I going to be like Jesus, or, or is this going to be something that erodes away at my character? Is this going to be something that pulls me away from him? I talk to families every once in a while, and they're getting into the fall groove with everything, and they talk about all the different things that they're going to have their kids do, and it's like, where's church in that? Where, where's room for God to even fit in? And they're saying, well, we think that this is godly. It's godly for us to be active. And the fact of the matter is, if it's not bringing you closer to be like Jesus, I'm telling you, it's, it's not godly at all. Uh, how about this one? Do those in spiritual authority confirm it? So if you have a spiritual person in your life, a mom or a dad or a coach, certainly a pastor, if they're not being like, yes, this is God, you should really try to seek counsel on that because God wants to confirm it to you and he wants to use godly authority. For those of you that are parents, really, you're that voice for your kids. And so you've got to be the one pouring into them. If you don't pour into them, if you don't help them to discover their God dreams, somebody else is going to do that on your behalf, whether you like it or not. And so what I've learned is it's on me. Like, God is good, and I have a great plan for your life, Aurelio. <laughs> like, I'm going to help them to find out what God's dream is. And then the final one I'll share of many I could have, is it focused on others? Is this going to build your kingdom, or is this going to build God's kingdom? Is this all about you and bringing glory to you, or is this something that's going to be something that really helps other people? I hope it's okay that I did that, because I think it, it answers a lot of questions for people, because they want the God dream, and that's the goal. You want that dream from God. I want so badly to lead a church of dreamers, of people that have a dream in their heart, that want God's best, that are pursuing him. And at the same time as I want to lead a church that's like that, I want to have kind of a candid moment with you and say, there's moments, even though I'm full of vision, full of dreams, you might think I never do it, but there's moments where I have moments where I'm just, I'm over it. I'm done. Either there's hardship or closed doors or there's a problem or a loud voice in my life. And it's just like, I'm done. Now, I haven't given up. Thank God. I'm going to help you with that component today and show you, A, it's okay to have those feelings knock at the door. You just have to learn how to knock back. But I have those moments, and you might face them in your career. You might face them in your marriage. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. I didn't say this first service, but some of you guys are having fights or, or some sort of trouble in your marriage. Somebody, I'm all over your toes right now. 
you think the fight's about the fight with your spouse and it has way more to do with your future than it does to do with this little spat that you have. God is trying to lead you to green pastures, still waters, and, and you're butting your heads against something small. God has more. That's God's spirit. But, but let me say this. There are days where I, I'm just, I'm done. I think about several years ago, we had a staff issue, and this person was undermining and, and telling stories out of school and saying things to try to cast shade on me. And I had to come up here and preach a message while they're sitting right there in my face. You know, when we sing that song, uh, uh, how we're going to praise God in the presence of my enemies. I'm thinking like, I wrote that, babe. Like, I've been there, you know. <laughs> and it's, it's all the more difficult when it's spiritual type things. I, I think about how uh, when New Chapel found out we were no longer going to be meeting at North Point High School. Like, you need to find a location. And I remember standing up and I'm preaching in front of a room full of people having no idea how God is going to get us to a building, to be able to buy a building. Nothing but shut doors. I remember on a Christmas service having to come in here and preach a message with a smile on my face just hours after my nephew was killed in a car accident. Guys, I've been there before, and I empathize with so many of you. I've been on that end of being like, I don't care about the dream, God. I just want my nephew back. I want my life back. I want Friday to mean Friday again. I want things to be easy. But I've, I've, I've made peace with a lot of this, and a lot of that can be shown to you today. And if you grasp onto it, you can have that resolve in your life. Listen to me. Don't give up on your dreams. If you give up on your dreams, nobody else is going to come into your life and cheerlead you into doing it. It is you. If you give up on your dreams, you give up on them. But dreams, I've learned this, they are conceived way before they're achieved. Like there's a lot of time in the middle of that. God, uh, he, he says in the form of Jesus that he is the alpha and the omega. Now, I'm no Greek scholar, but whatever letter is in the middle, that's you, <laughs> Because there's a lot of time in the in-between. There's a lot of time where things are playing out. And it can get frustrating along the way. But, but I believe this, that if you can make peace with process, you'll see the glory of God. And I do believe that God wants to resurrect dreams in the room today. Now, I had you turn to Genesis. Uh, 37 would be the chapter I'd like you to be in. We can't talk about dreams without talking about the character of Joseph. Genesis 37. I want to start reading in verse 5. This is what the Bible says. Joseph had a dream. Say it with me. One, two, three. Dream. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Pause. Time out. Everybody look at me. That tells me they already hated him, right? You don't have to be a scholar to get deep into that, right? They hated him all the more when he told them his dream. Now, that tells me something. There are just going to be people that don't like you. Uh, can I put it uh, from inner city Nuevo? Haters gonna hate. That's exactly what it is. Some people wake up in the morning and they just don't like what you look like. They don't like what race you are. They don't like how successful you are. They don't like it because they were born on the top of the ugly tree, hit every branch on the way down. They got to look at your mug at work. I don't know why they hate you, but they hate you. And, and so, so don't try to get in their heads and try to figure it out. Sometimes you have to stop winning them over because you're not going to win them over. And as soon as you start talking about the vision God poured into your heart, they're just going to hate you more. Build a bridge and get over it. Moving on. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. Come on, bros, get over here. We were binding sheaves, and, and my sheaves stood up, and then all of your sheaves bowed to me. And he's, he's conveying to them, y'all going to be bowing to me, and I'm the youngest brother in this whole group. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Don't you get it? The spirit, right? 
And, and the brothers are just so angry. This is what it says in verse 19. Uh, a little bit of time goes by, and he comes back. He says, here comes the dreamer. Wait a sec. Here comes the dreamer. You see, the enemy's after your dream. He's not after you. And so when attack comes, oftentimes it's right after that dream. You're just incidental. You're in the way. Here comes that dreamer. They said, come now. Let's kill him <laughs> and throw him into one of these cisterns and say an animal killed him. And then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Joseph's story, the narrative in the Bible, is incredible. I can't go into the depth of all of it today. Uh, if you want extra homework, many at New Chapel love that. Uh, jump in on this chapter and the next several, and his narrative is so encouraging. But Joseph is thrown into slavery to serve another man in another man's house. And when he's thrown into the spot, it looks bad. It's just like one of those days you and I have had where it's like, I'm done with it. So what I want to do is give you three thoughts about not giving up, and then I'm going to give you three practical principles that, honestly, no joke, it can change your life forever. Uh, three things, write these down. We don't give up on our dreams for the future. Number one, even when it doesn't start well, even when the beginning doesn't look good, even when you jump into Christianity and you try to find a godly marriage and you try to live in a right way, but you don't come from that heritage, you don't come from that pedigree, and, and you lived wild before Jesus, you can still have that dream and future for your family and for your life despite however you started in this. And you're not going to sin your way out of it. God's good. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance is what the Bible says. It means, means you can't sin your way out of the call of God. I've talked to people before. They say, Pastor, you don't even know what I've done. I've gone too far. I've done too much. Like, I love what I'm getting at church. It's, it's, it's lifting my heart. But there's no way to come back from what I did. I've disqualified myself. And, and friend, listen to me. You have not disqualified yourself. Hear me now. You didn't qualify yourself in the first place. God forgave all your sin, past, present, and in the future. He knew that you were going to be uh, uh, screwing up and messing up and, and be a little hard-headed from time to time, be rebellious, turn your back from time. And he still put that calling on you. So the fact that you even feel that pull in your heart and that call for greater things is an indication that God has not left you, that you still want what the Spirit wants, and you haven't disqualified yourself. He forgave you in the future to come for all the bonehead things you will do. That is good news. God has a history of using people with really horrible pasts. I think about Moses in the Bible. Moses killed a guy and then split. <laughs> like, and, and, and then God calls him and he's like, how am I going to talk to him? I mean, he had a stutter that was worse than Porky Pig. I mean, he just, he'd struggle through a sentence and God's like, you go tell him, get him. You know, God gave him the first left foot of fellowship in history, and there, there he went. God calls really bad choices. I think about, like, in the New Testament, I think about Saul of Tarsus. The dude was a Christian killer, like a massacre. He's a bad dude. Y'all are looking at me like, because you've read the end, you know. You wouldn't have picked him. You would have picked some Bible character that looked like Brian, Pastor Brian, sharp, ruddy-looking, chiseled jaw. That's who you would have picked. God, God, God finds the killer, and then we got to accept this guy? I mean, Thanksgiving's awkward, you know? And so, like, God calls him and makes him the Apostle Paul, and he writes two-thirds of the New Testament, everybody. They're called Bible characters for a reason. Some of them are really characters and, and come from very spotty pasts. 
and that's you. God can use you despite what you've been through. You wouldn't have chosen Paul, but God chose him, and God chose you. 1 Timothy 1, I thank Jesus, who's given me strength, that he, consi- look at that, he, con- he considered me faithful. I didn't do anything before that. No, but he considered me faithful, appointing me into his service, even though I once was a blasphemer, persecutor, a violent man. Some of you guys are thinking, like, you're leaving things out of the list, Pastor. I was shown mercy. I was shown mercy, and that's what God has. I thank God that he used this, <laughs> never was from the north country. I came from nothing, everybody. I know you might even get tired of me saying that, but I'm trying to really convey. I came from the middle of nowhere. I mean, the most popular dating app in my home country was Ancestry.com. Like, I came from the boondocks. If you're laughing, it's because you've been to Nuevo. <laughs> I came from nothing. There's no pedigree. There's no background to do this. But God, with a mighty hand, lifted this joker up, and I get to preach the gospel. Glory to God. We need to trust God that where we came from doesn't determine our future. If you weigh your past against his call, it might be pretty depressing. But if you weigh his goodness and his mercy along with your call, God wins every single time. Write it down. We don't give up on our dreams for the future even if the journey is full of surprises. Why do you say that, Pastor Joe? Uh, Your journey will be full of surprises, ups and downs, and open doors and closed doors, and favor, favor cometh, and then some opposition. There'll, There'll be things that are great, but there'll also be rough days. You say, Pastor Joe, I came to church. I wanted a positive message. Okay, I'm positive you're gonna have rough days. Is going to happen. But we need to understand that God is, is moving through it all. In Joseph's story, there was really a lot more bad days than there was good days. In fact, this is an all play for everybody in the room. I, I need your help with it. Throw up that heading, guys, a Joseph's story. And here's the big question, give up or go on. And so I'm going to read some pieces of Joseph's story. And after that, you can tell me what he would have felt like. Now, don't give me your faith statement, because of course we know, let's go on, right? But He probably didn't feel like that all the time. And so I'm going to give you these statements, and you can tell me whether it's give up or go on. Okay, number one, sold into slavery. Give up or go on? Yeah, that's what it feels like. Living in a strange country far from home. Yeah, give up. Given favor in Potiphar's house. Go on, right? That's a positive thing. Falsely accused by Potiphar's cougar wife. That's a couple of negatives. (laughs) (laughs) give up thrown into prison that's what it feels like put in charge of all the prisoners well okay we'll make it a plus but here's here's the idea put in charge of all the you're still a prisoner the bible says that joseph found favor in the eyes of the warden of that prisoner we all think of it like the palatial places that we have as prisons today which are basically like community college that you can't leave okay is nothing like that in the bible It was a dungeon pit. It had animal feces and human feces. So when it says that Joseph found favor in the eyes of the warden, it was probably more like in the eye of the warden he found favor. So yeah, it's a positive, like there's a little break in the case, but not that much. Okay, forgotten by the cupbearer, give up. The cupbearer said, hey, I'm going to go to Pharaoh and I'm going to tell him how awesome you are. I'll put in a good word. He was forgotten. How about this? Remained in prison for two years longer. Give up or go on. 
Yeah, it feels like that. How about this one? Became second in command of Egypt. Well, that's the easy one, isn't it? The go on is when you get to, I've arrived. But it was like a, a, a miracle, up and coming, came out of nowhere, 20 years in the making. And there was a lot of days where it was just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go on. But something in Joseph, some, some character that he had kept him doing the right thing. And ultimately, God leveraged it for his good. But mama said there'd be days like that. There's positives and there are negatives. And you can't look at some of the negative things, the closed doors, look at that and say, well, that must be a sign from God that he doesn't want me to do it. It's a sign from the devil that you're on the right track. Yeah. Amen, somebody? The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, central theme in all of the Bible, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. In all things, God works. Do you see that? He's working. Even though it's a negative thing, God can leverage that negative thing for his glory. I got to move on. Number three, we don't give up on our dreams for the future. Why? Even if it takes a long time to realize it. Because it will. I can say that without fear of contradiction. It will. You need to hear this. Habakkuk 2 and verse 3. These things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly. Oh, I hate this scripture. <laughs> Steadily. Uh, but surely. The time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, it does, it does, it does, it does. Do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be, this is crazy, they will not be overdue a single day. Some of y'all are trying to live out your dream, trying to pursue God, and you're like, man, I feel like I'm past time. I'm telling you, God's saying to you, it's not overdue. You're going to see his goodness shown in your life, but you got to work this process that he has in front of you. And, and we are a microwave generation serving a crockpot God. We want it right away, don't we? immediately, if not sooner. It's Instagram, but it's not Instagod. He just does not work that way. And he could care less about your comfort. It's so funny. Like, he doesn't want you to hurt. But he honestly could care less. I laugh every time I say it. What's the key? You can't grow weary. You can't get tired of it. That's what Galatians says. Let us not become weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you don't lose heart, if you don't give up, if you don't take your ball and go home. Why? Because it's going to be several times where you throw three or you try to go at three and it's three strikes in your route. And friend, that's not the way God plays. It's not three strikes in your route. It's throw the pitch again. I'm not done here. God has called me to be here. It's my mound. I'm not going. Amen, somebody? But you can't grow weary. Now, New Chapel, listen to me. Do not give up. And it begs the question, well, how? How, how do we even... How do we engage in those seasons where we feel like, I want to give up, I'm done, I'm exhausted? How do we see our future dream come to pass? One of the best things I can do as a senior pastor is give you timeless principles that you can graft into your life and really apply and live out. Today's a little different. Yes, they're going to be timeless principles, but I think above most of the lists I give, and Pastor Joe gives lists, this list is going to be one that you want to write down. You're going to want to look at, bring out these notes again and again, because I believe that these truly can be a game changer in your walk with him. So, so how do we see this future dream come to pass? Part one, write it down. Let's recognize and value the process. 
recognize and value process. In other words, it's not enough for you just to be self-aware, which that's a big hurdle for a lot of people. Self-aware. God's doing something. There's a process here. But you also need to value it. In other words, you can't hate the process. We find out we're, oh, God's doing something. I hate it. <laughs> you know, like you need to like, you need to recognize this is what's happening. This is an attack from the enemy. God's working on me. And I'm going to value this because I will be everything God has called me to be. When something happens to you, you have to trust that God is working in you in that process. And though he does not bring those natural hindrances into your life, he will leverage them for your Christian growth. I see a lot of people, uh, and they'll pray, Pastor Joe, help me, pray for me. I want God to just take this thing out of my life. I just want to take away this temptation. I want to take away this issue that I have. And I have over my ministry. I've seen people who when they got born again, when they got saved, they were an alcoholic one day, and the next day they were sober as a preacher on Sunday. I've seen people that have had depression in their life, and, and they got saved, and in no time they had joy. I mean, you almost couldn't handle being around them. It was a lot, like just joy, 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 like but they had freedom. I've talked to people who have been in incredible debt, and they start tithing for two weeks, and God wipes out a hundred grand worth of student loans. And I'm not talking about God, your government. I'm talking about God, God. <laughs> and he takes away all that debt. I have seen it with my own eyes. But do you know how I typically see it? I typically see the guy who is an alcoholic get born again and have to go into some counseling, get some accountability partners, show up at a meeting, yeah. do what they got to do and work the process. I've seen a lot of people that have had depression that have had to memorize scripture about it's your joy unspeakable and full of glory. You set my feet upon a rock. You widen the pathway beneath my feet that I might not slip. God, I thank you that my emotions are not who I am. I'm going to make decisions. I've, I've met a lot of people that have had to control that and rope it in. I'm not talking about something chemical, but I'm saying they've had to pursue it with counseling and with scripture and, and, and with group and, and, and have come out of that. And they've seen redemption. They've seen deliverance, if you want to call it that, but it's been a process. Right. I've seen people get out of debt, but the way they did is they went down to Office Max and got a box of envelopes like Kai and I did. And you write all your different bills on it. When you get paid, you put it inside your envelope. When it's all done, you cry because you're looking at how little you have. And, and, and they work a process sometimes for years to get out of debt. Student loan debt, consumer debt. And what do we want? We want God just to deliver us, take us out. But what does Psalm 23 say? It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. Like God is not so interested in just plucking you out of every situation. He wants you to face these things, not because he wants you to face evil, but because it will perfect you. It will make you into somebody you could never be because of it. Say amen, somebody. Trials. I'm, I'm just telling you, it is a huge deal. And if you can actually take hold of that, you'll get giddy when they come into your life. That's kind of nuts to say, but it's true. Uh, here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you've had to endure many trials for a little while. In King James, it says, uh, even though you have to suffer for a little bit. Well, that is easily said. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith, or though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong, and here it is, through, oh man, through many trials, it will bring you much praise, glory, and honor on the day of Jesus. Through. 
I want God to pluck me out of little problems that I have, but I have found that I become a different person having faced them, squared my shoulders back, not my own strength, but said, God, here we go. And I become a person that's been able to pursue these problems and see God's glory in the midst of it all. God does not cause it, but he will use it. And so every storm is a school. Every test that you face is a teacher. Every, every bit of experience that you go through, it is an education in becoming who God has called you to be. James 1 and verse 2. This is nuts. This is crazy. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. This is not natural. But I've gotten to the spot where I can grow in self-awareness and be like, okay, this is a test. This is something awful that's facing me, and I'm going to count it pure joy. Woo! That's nuts, right? Join me in being nuts, right? You, you need to find out you're in trouble and go, yes! Because here's what you know. Oh, devil, you're rolling the dice. Don't you know God's going to flip the script on this? Don't you know this is going to work into my benefit? I'm going to be so much better off because you attacked me. Woo! I'm going to be persevering through all of this. God has a plan through it all. Say amen. amen. Be nuts with me. Part two. How do we see our future dream come to pass? Part two. Let's refuse to let offenses stop us. Refuse to let offenses stop. Write that down. You need to... You need to write that down. You're about to circle it. Write it on your arm. Write it on the tag of your clothes. So you read it every morning. Do whatever you got to do to remember that. You got to let offenses go. Does it feel like every once in a while that somebody went to like, I don't know, like New Chapel Connect and did their spiritual giftings test and their spiritual gift is to destroy your life? <laughs> funny, not funny, right? There are people like that out there. You drive with them on 131. This is the person that like is willing to get into that passing lane and then just drive slow the whole time. Agent of chaos. They just hate you, right? It's, it's not right. But, but I'm here to tell you, even though those people exist, and for no reason they have it out for you, you cannot hold resentment in your heart. Resentment is a dream-killing beast, maybe like nothing else. And you're going to have to find room in your heart to forgive that person, however bad they were to you, however bad they treated you, what they did. They did me dirty, Pastor Joe. Well, you know what? Forgive them in Jesus' name. Because you hold on to that resentment, you will kill yourself. Joseph's story is amazing because he must have done that over and over again. He was lit down by people time and time again. So he was sold uh, to be a slave. And, and then uh, eventually he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He became a prisoner, became in charge of the prison. He interpreted a dream for Pharaoh. This dream, the way that he interpreted it, it was to save Egypt from famine. And so they talked about saving up for a certain amount of years and, and then being able to eat a little bit more modest for several years. And in that whole process, Joseph was able to work this plan. And, and Pharaoh, he valued not only interpretation, but he liked how Joseph thought. See, Joseph, no matter what, whether he was in the prison or whether he was a slave, he didn't discount small beginnings. Can you imagine being a slave and still thinking, this is loaded with opportunity to the spot where they put you in charge? You think, well, that's a lowly existence. What can God do in one generation and raise you up at this point to be the prime minister of Egypt? That's amazing to me. And so Pharaoh puts him in the spot, and uh, he's actually got enough food for all of Egypt, so they're saved from the famine. But they're also selling some of this food that's saved up to foreign nations. And these leaders and dignitaries and even grand families are coming in to, to buy resource from Egypt. It actually pushed them a lot further. And here's what I said first service 
I think it's very profound. I think it's God. It's not me. And that is, we live in very trying times. Inflation is real. It is evil. It is really, really hurting a lot of good people, good people in this room. And it's wrong that people could, people that can't lead their way out of a wet paper bag have so much influence on your life when you've done everything right. But God is not going to put your future in their hands. God's going to speak to you. He's going to give you dreams and visions and words from him that if you start to work the plan, you'll not only be able to withstand the storm that's here and is coming, but you'll actually be a person who can prosper while it's all happening. The world will be in a downturn, and Christians can be in an upturn if we trek with God. Can I hear an amen, church? So that's my heart for you. I've been, I believe that's God's heart. So one of the families that came in to try to solicit some of this food from Egypt were Joseph's brothers, and they came in. Joseph recognized them immediately, but they didn't recognize Joseph. Now, the Jewish guy would have had those curly cues hanging down, a big old bushy beard, wearing all that burlappy canvas stuff, you know. But Joseph, he was the prime minister of Egypt. He was clean-shaven. I don't know. I picture him like no shirt on, got mascara or whatever they were wearing in those hieroglyphs. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? And, and so they don't recognize him. And they come in, and they're saying, hey, we need food. And he says, hey, I'm your brother. And these guys lose their gourd on Joseph. They start flipping out on him. Like they think they're going to get killed, which, by the way, thank God I wasn't in that position because I've been like, kill him. <laughs> Barbecue tonight. <laughs> what are all these pyramids for? The Mayans are killing people on him. Let's have a barbecue, you know. I, I, let's sell him into slavery, you know. I, I'm a justice guy. That's why I wasn't in the Bible. But anyway, <laughs> Get him, Lord. <laughs> this is what Joseph actually says. And this is the high road. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, and certainly in this narrative. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Now, you read that and you think, that is kind of confusing, because did God intend it or not intend it? If you were to look in the original language of the Bible, Hebrew in this context, it would be, you intended to harm me, but God re-intended it. He took your intentions, flipped the scripts, and lent his own meaning to it with an advance I couldn't have had without it. He re-intended it. It is the Bible word, redeem. And that's your God. He takes the worst situations, the worst pits that we can be in, and he flips that script. Wow. Jesus put it this way in Luke 17. He said, it is impossible that no offenses should come. You are going to face offense in this world. But in Ephesians 6, Paul clarifies it so brilliantly. He says, your struggle isn't against those people that can't lead. It isn't against your boss. It isn't against that family member that's talking smack about you or that person that's casting shade on your life. It is not against flesh and blood. It's against those spiritual forces. It's against the enemy in his kingdom. And so we're not fighting against them. We're fighting against the enemy, and we can prevail. Don't hold offense. Jesus even put dealing with this in our daily prayers. He says, forgive us our trespasses and forgive those that have trespassed against us. I got to move on. Part three, how do we see our future dream come to pass? My last point today. And I, I think that this is going to go from being a, a preaching point to being a ministry point. Let's remember that God is always with me. That's pretty simple, Pastor Joe. It doesn't seem very profound. It's massive. At the end of Joseph's story, it says this in Genesis 39, the Lord was with Joseph 
so that he prospered. Like in Joseph's story, God was there. It says this in verse 20 of that same chapter, that the Lord was with him and he showed him kindness and granted him favor. What are you talking about? He was in a prison. Yeah, God's there. God's there. You see that? We think that he's distant, that he's, he's far removed from our life, but he's, he's intimately concerned with what we're going through. It makes me think about Psalm 139. This is what the Bible says. If I go up to heaven, God's there. If I make my bed in the depths, it's talking about hell. If I go to hell, God's there. If I rise, God's there. If I settle in my life, God is there. He's there in the midst of all of it. Psalm 46, what does it say? God is our refuge and our strength in ever-present help in trouble. God's there. God is in the midst of your trouble with you. Makes me think about Isaiah chapter 43. What does it say? It says, when you pass through the waters, I'm there. And through the rivers, they're not going to overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be burnt. Why? God's there in the midst of all of it. I think about Jeremiah 1. It says, do not be afraid. I am with you. God is there. Jeremiah 119, they fight against you. I get it, but they will not prevail against you. Why? God's there, says the Lord. I think about Jeremiah 119, they fight against you, but I'm there and I'm there to deliver you. God is there in the midst of it all. Listen to me. In your lowest moments, in the times where you felt far gone, God, where are you? I want to give up on all of this. God is there in the midst of it all. And I take heart in some of the last words of Jesus. He says in Matthew 28, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end. God is with you. We make peace with our past. We live in the present. We have hope in the future. And we engage the future with a holy boldness. Not because we know everything that's going to happen. And surely we know there's going to be closed doors and open ones. But because we know whatever we face in the midst of any of it, that our God is ever present in it all, that our God is with us. And then who should be against us into the future? Heavenly Father, I thank you for my church. God, I pray for them. Some of them have faced some of these hurdles that we've talked about today and disappointments and letdowns. I just forget it. All to hell with it. I'm done. They've wrestled with this in their heart, been at their end. It's so like you, God, to walk into our narrative with that peace that calms raging seas and breathes life into dreams again. God, to the person who thinks that they're too old, I speak life into that dreamer. God is pouring his spirit out. He's visiting us in these days. It's, there's no such thing as retirement in the kingdom. God has a plan for you. To the person who says, I did too much, I messed up, God has a plan for you. Yeah, there's a student in here. You're pursuing God with everything in you. But you're not dreaming big enough, God says. He wants to do things that you could never ask, think, or imagine. He wants to blow your minds. You've been a good doobie. You've been a good kid. You've got big dreams. God wants to blow your dreams up. 
to the mom who feels resigned at home. Number one, you are living purpose. But number two, God's going to leverage your whole family for purpose. Dream big dreams. Lay hands on your kids when you put them down for a nap. Lay hands and pray for them. Speak life into the next generation. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for people that came in here and were thinking in that vein, maybe even for an extended period of time about giving up or that they gave up. God, I thank you that you came in to the crossroads to breathe life in this moment. You are not here by mistake. You needed this message today. Dream again. Don't let your dream die. Your dream will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. God, I thank you that you speak to your kids today. And God, as I pray, I thank you for freedom because we know that you're with us in it all. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed just for another minute. Be very still in the presence of God. If you came in here today and you're hearing about a God of love, a God that has a plan and a vision for your life, and it is exciting in many ways, but you'd say to yourself, Pastor Joe, I don't know, it's, I'm not right with God, whatever that even means. Friend, you can be right with God today. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And what does that mean? It means you're calling him boss. You're done being the God of your own life, and you're ready to put your God in control. And Scripture says that when you do that, hey, there's salvation when you die. You'll avoid a Christless hell. But maybe more than that in the here and now, there's eternal life that can flood your heart today. Peace that can pass understanding to enter your life today. Joy that can be present in your life today. And so if you're far from God Maybe you'd say, Pastor Joe, I messed up. I went too far. Maybe I just strayed away. Maybe I had a relationship. Today's the day to get it right. Fall is the time to get back in the swing of things. And God is ready to receive you with both hands. We're going to pray. And if you mean it, you'll be saved. Church, I want you to pray this with those people praying it for the first time. Is a declaration of your faith in supporting those people that are coming back home. Pray it out loud and proud with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ in here. Proud of you. <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go into the future. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.